Wayne Turner watching on in front of him. Over day. Lovely ball in. Could be an own goal. It's uh, still there. Still alive for Harold. Harold pulls it back. So hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Salad Cast for this season. After what is Ollie, 21 days since Shrewsbury Town last played a game of football and we were we were last knocking around. It's been a very odd three weeks, Ollie, hasn't it? And it's left us with a lot of different things to talk about from a game of football to COVID outbreaks to signings. It's one of those weeks, Ollie, where it's nice to be back. It's been a while, but man, Mia, we got a lot to cover, haven't we? <laughs> Yeah, we've got a lot of bullet points, so I think this podcast is going to be a bit of a sandwich. Mm. So yeah, a bit of news, a bit of football, a bit of news, um, yeah, plenty of things to cover off. Um, yeah, it's um, yeah, I think it's been a manic start of the year for the club, that's for sure. And it's an unexpected break, wasn't it? We were, you know, we were happily going along, playing our games at Christmas time, weren't we? And we'll, we'll go through the whole timeline of what's been happening. But you know, it, it was it seemed like we were just getting into our stride under Cottrell, didn't we? And you know, just in general, I suppose two questions: what what did you think it came at a good or a bad time? I suppose from where we were, um, I suppose it's never a good time for this sort of thing to happen. And also, what have you been doing with your time, Ollie, during these last three weeks? <laughs> So yeah, yeah, it never comes at a good time, no. especially um, it's not ideal, obviously, is it, with um, kind of the severity of the, the illness mm. for, for the manager, which is, yeah, pretty, pretty upsetting um, and must be, must be really a bit upsetting for his wife and his family. Um, and then, yeah, in terms, of, in terms of good times, maybe it'd been helpful having the odd game off, which we had, you know, at certain points, haven't we, we had the odd game yep. off, but I think being off for 21 days and crucially being away from training ground for such a long period of time, it's going to be a bit of a challenge, um, and I think obviously it's going to be a bit of a challenge. It's not going to go away for a few weeks yet, with the manager not being um, back um, to full health. Obviously, health comes first, and that's his priority, and that should be the the priority for the club and the staff and the players. And obviously, I'm sure I'm sure they'll look after him, and he'll come back when he's ready. Um, but um, yeah, he's 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 had such a presence, and I know you've listened to um, to Aaron Wilbraham and hearing Ollie Norburn, he very much has a um, a huge presence. Um, at the training ground. Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, yeah, we'll get into this a bit more as we go through these these bullet points we've got, but yeah, definitely. It seems like he's already struck a very big mark with some of our, even our sort of um, players that have been here for two, three years, you know, like players like Ollie Norboon, who's been really impressed with him and, and spoke really well. But yeah, it, it seems like it's just a horrible thing to happen. And we will we will touch on that a bit more, won't we? But I suppose the, yeah. the first thing to think about, really, uh, is to just to say that we're back in an environment, Ollie. You know, when, again, three weeks ago, when we were all back at a sort of a more normal situation around Christmas time, we were actually... Well, I say we, apologies for you, you weren't able to make them because you were in tier three, weren't you, at that point? But, um, you know, we were back at the match. We were watching football. And so, again, we're back in this lockdown period again now. So it looks like for the foreseeable future on Salopcast, we will be covering it through um, the medium of uh, I follow both of us. So, uh, no, again, regardless of what's going on at the football club, it, we've all taken a bit of a step back, haven't we, in terms of COVID and, and, you know, what's actually going on in a new lockdown. It makes everything much more difficult again, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think it's going to get worse the next few weeks before it's mm. going to get better. It's um, yeah, it's it's um, it's crazy. Um, it's literally crazy, and um, yeah, it's football. While football is um, not that important, it, it kind of is important yep. at the same time, isn't it? Because it's a great distraction for people, mm. um, for people's for people's mental health, a breakaway to you know, something to look forward to on the weekend. Huge. So you asked, what have I been doing? Not a lot. Um, <laughs> been playing um, Got FIFA twenty out, and okay. where you know that do that pro game where you met players yourself. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Start at Shrewsbury. I'm now at Atletico Madrid. So I've been playing that and <laughs> doing bits and bobs. And yeah, I haven't played that much football manager in the last few weeks, to be honest. But um, 
I don't know, yeah, you just like, what can you do? Go for dog walks yeah. and eat food. <laughs> yeah, my PlayStation 4 has got a lot of a workout over the last few weeks again. But yeah, we're back to being able to at least spend some time focusing on, yeah. on Shrewsbury Town and football. So yeah, although I'm going to say we're going into a COVID section now about what's been going on and we have just talked about COVID, yeah, we'll, we'll leave the intro there and we'll, we'll touch on what's been going on over these last three weeks. So, Ollie, I thought just before we, we get into the repercussions of what's gone on at, uh, at Shrewsbury Town Football Club, it's probably worth reminding people a little bit of the sort of uh, sort of anticipated or kind of estimated timeline, I suppose, in terms of how we think it might have gone. Um, this is just sort of our assumptions from reading and understand what Brian said about a few things. But yeah, we go back a few weeks to when we played Doncaster away, Ollie, um, pre-Christmas, wasn't it? I think it was the, the, the week before Christmas Day. And yeah, next day, um, Doncaster announced they'd had two positive tests, didn't they, Ollie, which was interesting. So, you know, assumption there that they might well have played in that game um and 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 obviously that probably got us worried as a football club and brian has mentioned that he was of the of the thought that we might have caught all this on the pitch so puts into context that um doncaster game but yeah no no positive test for shrewsbury during that next week over christmas everybody had the sort of little bit of a lockdown relaxed didn't they played wigan still no issues ollie which was great and then Obviously, we had the Blackpool game um, at home, which you know I went to, which was great. And just before the game was announced, we announced our first positive COVID test, didn't we? Which people assumed was Miller, but we we don't know for sure because Miller was missing from that game. Um, so the game went ahead, um, and we can talk about whether that was a risk or not, Ollie. Um, and then, yeah, after that game, we trained for a couple of days. There were photos on on the internet um, of the of the groundsmen saying that they were at training. And then, obviously, pre Southampton, the shit at the fan. It obviously spread around the team and the manager um, had a big outbreak and the training ground shut and we've been shut for for a few weeks since then haven't we so yeah and anything from the sort of timeline leading up to where we got to that stands out to you you know do you, you you sort of convinced it came from Doncaster do you think that's likely or do you think it was one of the players you know we're, we're just guessing here but I don't know what do you think of the sort of lead up to it really yeah for me it's I guess the, the trouble with Covid and, and my wife uh, maybe yourself because my wife being um, a vice principal of a, of a secondary school she's mm. had to get quite in on the detail of Covid because obviously parents and kids and staff and stuff um, so yep. Becky's a bit of an expert on it all the kind of timings and stuff and the, one of the, t- the toughest parts of Covid and I guess why it's so spreads so so quickly and and can go undetected is that you don't know how long it takes you to get Covid yep. so you might get it in your system um, but you might not even like come, you know, get a positive result, or you might not even have any symptoms for up to like ten, fourteen days, and that's why the isolation period is such a long time. So, yeah, it could be that you know we played, we went through no symptoms, and then you had an outbreak, and and that's why it's so hard to kind of, you know, we always like to kind of put a bit of analysis on what's happened and you mm. know, what's going on, and it's it's so hard to kind of guess, but it is a bit weird. One thing that I think is worth adding is um, Dave. Edwards mentioned yep. on Talksport that they all did tests on Boxing Day. Yep. Now we don't know what kind of tests they were. Were they lateral flow tests or the full test? But they all came back as negative. Mm. So yeah, it's it's very easy. You, know, you you see online and you get all these morons um, about fantasy football and you get very you know uppity <laughs> kind of um, kid, probably kids, but Southampton fans saying all this stuff. Oh yeah, Shrewsbury, you know, you know, broken all the rules and stuff. Um, I was WhatsApping Brian. And um, he said to me they had an audit and they got really good marks. Yep. So um, it's it is really tough. Um, and the way that the club operates, if they step back for a second, you know how we operated when we did the trial for COVID, how we operate with a safe standing, 
it's not really in the culture of the club, I don't believe, to kind of cut corners and stuff. No. It's not really, it's not really our DNA. I agree. And, and the club, you know, should always be tre- treated in this circumstance as they have followed the right rules and probably followed the right procedures because, you know, we've seen how they dealt with getting fans back in for that trial game and also getting us back to watch games of football, you know, around that Christmas period when other football clubs couldn't do it for, for lockdown reasons. We've had positive feedback on, on the way we've been running that. So as a football club, they must have been known how to deal with COVID. And, you know, if you catch it off someone else on a pitch, it's going to be really difficult to stop that spreading around your team in the changing room afterwards. Um, or, you know, it's, well, not, not necessarily like that, I suppose. But also, you know, the the asymptomatic players that we just wouldn't know would have it. So, so many traps and pitfalls. And it's not like, you know, we've had possibly the biggest outbreak in the FL, I think, from from reading around Ollie. You know, we've had a lot of players who got the disease disease and then also um, had to self-isolate. Fair enough. I mean, it just happens to be us. But if you look around, there are plenty of other clubs who've had games called off so far in League One and Two. And to me... You know, my my gut feeling is there's so many games getting off now that it must be passing around on pitches, and there is an argument, Ollie, for football and and where it should be going from now on. I don't know. I, I ask you the question, really. You know, is is it reached a point yet where you think football should probably come to a stop? Yeah, that's a tough one, isn't it? Um, mm. Because it's it's not going to be a breaker because you know you're going to get potentially get infections from outside. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I probably maybe yes, it should stop. Um, but I guess if everyone stays within their bubble and they and football is contained um, and doesn't have in outside interference, then I see no reason why it couldn't continue. Mm. Um, but I can also also see the argument of why it should, should stop as well at the same time. Yeah, yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? I mean, you know, let's go back to looking at Shrewsbury Town Football Club. I I can't say anything other than even though it was a huge risk to us financially and reputationally and in, and for our FA Cup journey. Calling that game off was 100% the right thing to do, clearly. You know, sending a bunch of our youth team, who might also have had the virus for all we know, um, clearly weren't in a position for us to send them, I don't think. Um, it was completely the right choice, wasn't it, to call, to call that game off and hope that the football gods would be kind to us? Yeah, I think the playing the youth team is... Um, Mad. It's just, I think it's a little bit ignorant of um, Premier League fans and other yep. people to say that we should play the youth team. You know, Villa's youth team has got... You know, it's not it's not a youth team. It's not <laughs> like Shrewsbury's youth team. Let's be honest. The under twenty three team is pretty much a full time outfit uh, who are left all professional footballers. Yeah, they might be a bit younger, but they're full time pros. And you know, you can't compare that to Shrewsbury Town's academy. It's just no. not. It's not even on the same planet. Um, so yeah, it's ridiculous that people were suggesting that. Just shows how stupid and ill informed some people are. Um, and for me, for me, morally, it wouldn't be right because they would have got absolutely annihilated. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was yeah it was it was right that the game didn't go ahead. And let's be honest, uh, Villa wouldn't have played their youth team if it was a Premier League game. No, no chance. They didn't give a shit about the FA Cup. No, um, it's just they did it, and so that's why it kind of it looks reflects on us a little bit. But it's just them them doing what they want. You know, we saw Liverpool last year play their kids in the FA Cup. This, you know, it's the Premier League first, Champions League second, and obviously for Villa, they don't have the second one. So for them, it's just the first. So, quick question then, Ollie. When we said that game was going to be called off, what was your gut feeling? Were we going to get kicked out, or did you think that somewhere along the line someone might stand up for us? Because uh, no, I... <laughs> I, I thought I was. I, I saw your tweets at the time. Yeah. Um, I didn't agree with you at the time. I did. I. How dare you? Know, you? It's never. It's never a zero percent chance we weren't going to get kicked out. Mm. Of course. Um, I don't know. I got the sense that you were probably thinking like seventy percent we're going to get kicked out. Yeah, thirty percent. Pretty convinced. But I would have probably the other way around, flip reverse. So okay. I probably thought seventy percent it would go ahead. Thirty percent. Um, it, it didn't it wasn't going to um, and to be honest um, I was chatting to um, the Totally Saints podcast 
Um, it's quite interesting chatting to him because him he's got a bit of a beeline to their CEO, um, and it sounds like their CEO did a lot of work to get this happen yeah, for us. I think so. Um, so I think Leeds obviously were helpful as well, but Leeds have got an injury crisis, so they were probably quite happy to be to cancel. But yeah, I think we've <laughs> got to give a lot of respect to Southampton, the FA, and the Premier League, um, and obviously Leeds for, for letting us play. And I think also Brian, um, I did say to Brian, I did notice his increased media presence. Yeah, um, running up to it. Um, and I imagine that probably played a little bit into it as well. They didn't want an angry Scott um, going on <laughs> Sky Sports News and Talk Sport. And you had Dave Edwards on on TV and the radio quite a lot with yeah. his big, big, We're sop- all over big, shot, we? big soppy eyes. Don't upset Dave. Come on, let the game get on. But um, uh, yeah, I think that um, I think we were lucky in some respects that we came up uh, having to deal with two proper clubs. Do you know what I mean? You know, Southampton and Leeds put the the benefit of the the whole of football game. You know, not just us as a club, but you know the integrity of the FA Cup, all of those sort of things. And yeah, I agree. All the all the different um, governance bodies deserve a lot of credit for that as well. Um, you know, where would we have been if we'd have got Liverpool, if it had been Liverpool? You know, after what happened with Klopp and his holiday last year, I think we might have found it much more difficult to get the game on. <laughs> but maybe I'm just bitter from last year, Ollie. So yeah, it's a really fair thing to say to, to Southampton and everything. So once um, that had happened, I think it was the, the Monday afterwards, wasn't it? Got announced. Obviously, we could not worry about the game so much. But over the course of that week, Ollie, things deteriorated, I suppose, in terms of the COVID outbreak, didn't they? With obviously us finding out worse and worse news about the manager, and obviously finding out the, the full extent of quite how many players had got it and you know that was a bit of an eye-opener wasn't it how 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 rampant it had got in in the squad and and the management team yeah there was yeah we were hearing things weren't we about Mm. what was going on um and yeah it's clearly it's it's not it's not you know it's not transfer gossip or something like that this is serious serious stuff and yeah it's um it's fair to say you know we possibly had the worst covid outbreak in the football yeah yeah um i think sunderland have had about 14 um, cases, um, we've definitely had above fourteen. Yeah. Um, and yeah, um, yeah. It, it seems so far that most of the players seem okay. Yeah. Which I think is um, an absolute godsend. I think there's a case at Sunderland of long COVID with one player. Okay. Which means a serious risk. Um, yeah. Obviously, Brian Jensen wasn't there on last night, was he? Uh, no. But obviously, the, the big one is obviously that Steve Cotrod has been to hospital um, at least once. I think twice actually. Mm-hmm. Um, with um yeah with covid um which is um yeah i don't know how to put it into words it's, it's, hard, it's, it's it? serious yeah. and it's it's, it is it's hard. tough especially as we've learned that he was in intensive care which is absolutely nothing to mess around with is it and um no. you know i think the only thing you can really say in this circumstance is because the man is clearly not well still i don't believe i've seen in a message that he's been discharged from hospital yet so um we're no. caught, caught this on the wednesday and he, he was certainly there during the weekend so no he we, hasn't we been could, discharged no we can only wish him our one million percent best can't we you know on bar for the south yeah. but also i'm sure he'll have seen all the messages from from ex-players ex-managers all shrewsbury town fans pretty much all fans of other clubs he's been at even birmingham fans where he wasn't particularly highly regarded it was really not nice for me to see once that news was announced quite how the football family came together for one of their own really and I'm sure that those good wishes and, and, and the messages that you will definitely have seen will have hopefully aided his recovery and, and you know as a Shrewsbury Town fan Ollie we've got to say he shouldn't rush back you know he's been fantastic for us since he joined this club he has really turned us around potentially saved us from being in an absolutely dire situation but if it takes him six weeks to come back from this it takes six weeks Ollie I'm not going to be stressing about results maybe going off a cliff for a little bit while he recovers it is not important compared to the health of the man is it no no totally completely um, yeah, I saw some people talking about you know, should we get an interim manager all that kind of yeah. stuff. No, I'm happy to happy to carry on with Aaron yeah. and Dave. They they worked, you know, it was only I know it was only like a month 
or so, but we played like eight, nine games or something, and they really they really know um, and what the manager's all about. Um, Aaron will know clearly what what the manager's all about, um, and Dave Longwell's been you know a, a key key part of the team, so they really know what the what the the manager wants. And I think probably continuing with Aaron and Dave is going to be it's going to be yeah it's just going to be smoother you know continuing yeah, with, with the back room staff knowing the manager's philosophy and the players understand you know the basics of what he wants. Um, and knowing the manager, he's probably on Wisecat app right now, <laughs> um, on in his hospital bed, um, watching games and watching players and stuff. Um, yep. So yeah, and I it, think that makes sense. It doesn't seem to have held up recruitment, does it? We clearly brought in two lone players and David Davis, who we'll cover later on. But things seem to still be happening without Steve Cotter, and I'm sure that he is yeah. such a a well well I can answer that question directly because <laughs> yeah, well I actually asked Brian that question directly yep. today. Um, so I said, Brian, how is it going to work? Um, and he said that, um, you know, it's, it's great that we've got um, Keith with us um, and he's obviously the, the head of rec- recruitment and he's worked with Steve Cottrell for so long mm. um, that they know what a player, you know, what they kind of want. Um, and obviously, you know, it's not like they've just started working on transfers now. No. So they've been working on it, um, you know, when he joined. Um, so, um, yeah, Brian said that, you know, Steve is still in the loop, but um, but he, Brian and Keith will be doing all the work and the business and doing the deals um, and Steve will be there to kind of like you know agree and sign off deals. So, yeah, it sounds like the manager will still be involved. But um, but the good thing is obviously he won't be doing all the heavy lifting, all the work. It'll be done by others. Mm. I, just to start away from that, it's really good that you know to be fair to Brian and anyone that knows him working at the football club, you know you can send Brian an email and he'll sort your problems out or give you an answer or give you even a justification to something you're not very happy about. And it's it's been great actually over this period where we've been trying to get messages out about, about and, and talk about this in a way that you know was was sensible and not hyperbolic. And it's been great for um, Brian to provide us with a few little nuggets to inform that discussion. So we should say thank you for that really. But um, yeah, yeah. I, I guess in terms of COVID, that, that's kind of it, really, isn't it? I suppose we're, yeah. we've had this game back now. As I say, we'll talk about the Southampton game next and, and how the players look there. But a very, very challenging period in the club's history for me, Ollie, and one which leaves us, not you know, we're more worried about the health and of players and the manager and stuff. But it does, you know, put a little bit of a different spin or context on the rest of the season, doesn't it? So it's going to be interesting going forward, and it really does change the sorts of things we thought we'd be talking about. I think, Ollie. Yeah, it does. I don't think it changed the objective. The objective, nope. wasn't it, when he came in was to survive. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it um, probably will dampen our expectations a little bit. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's definitely the priority, isn't it, about, you know, we don't want anyone with non-COVID and we want all the players yeah. to be healthy and the staff to be healthy. So for me, yeah, it's, I think this is going to linger. That's why I put that tweet out, you know, we're going to start talking about football again and we're going to do it in a second. Yep. Um, but that doesn't mean to, to downplay or to disregard um, the health and the, the well-being of the staff and players. No, I say a very difficult and interesting period in our, in our football club. And it was worth that, you know, covering that in the introduction because it's been a very, yeah, very tricky situation to deal with for everybody. But yeah, you're right. We can talk about football now and we can talk about a return yeah. to the FA Cup um, and a chance to uh, get another giant killing. So yeah, we'll move to last night's game. <laughs> So, unfortunately, our FA Cup journey ended, Ollie. Southampton 2, Shrewsbury Town 0. But on the context of everything we've just talked about and the performance as well, I think, there was definitely some positives to take. And a game I left with some pride from, um, way more than I did leaving Anfield um, <laughs> this time last year. But we'll talk about the games we've gone. Now, yeah, the goals from um, someone, Endulu, I think his name was, the commentator called him, 16 minutes, and Ward-Prowse on 89 with a, with a massively good free kick. Um 
2-0 loss, unfortunately. And yeah, we didn't put any stats down for this because we were trying to bring all this together last minute. But yeah, you just joked to me before we started this section that we always lose Southampton in the Cup. Is that really a stat? Not really. Um, but it is true. We have continued it's our true. record. We have continued our record of losing to Southampton. And again, another game on TV. Um, but this time, there's, there's, I say, I've got a spreadsheet somewhere of all the players who've ever scored against top flight opposition. Um, but unfortunately, no one could add to that record on Saturday. So, uh, sorry, Tuesday, wasn't it? Um, so there we go. So I suppose first game back, we had a few new players in the mix. We didn't know who was going to be fit and COVID-related issues. What was this team, Ollie? Yeah, so Sausage and goal. Um, we had um, um, playing at right central defence was Pennington, who's obviously a new signing. Mm. Um, we had um, Ebanks and Pierre in the back line. Williams shuffled over to right wing back. Um, and then we had Goldborn back in the side, um, or Bob the Builder, um, as we <laughs> now call him, um, at left wing back. Um, Vela and Norburn um, in the cent- in the middle. New signing Chapman playing as a number 10. Um, and Worley and a Doe um, up front. Yep. So some quite a few recognised obviously names and place players, but a couple of a couple of switcheroos um, with um, with you know transfer dealings and stuff, which we'll come on to more detail later. And but obviously we lost a few players, haven't we? We've lost a few players, yeah, and, and obviously it's been a bit of a, a bit of a turnover during this Christmas period so far. And should I think the one thing to note on when you're looking at a team sheet is for the first time I think ever <laughs> we made five substitutes in a game, Ollie. That must be a, a record because I can't think we in the other games we've had the option to do it. We definitely didn't do it under Ricketts, so no. it just shows that actually you know with the COVID issues a few people were lagging towards the end, and you know that's why we've got a squad and, and we made five subs as well. But we'll talk about those subs as we go through the game because they had slightly different impacts on it as it went through. But yeah, yeah I mean, what, what, were your, what was your anticipation on kickoff of this? I mean, when you saw their team lineup, and we haven't got a list of it, they, they weren't the strongest, were they? They obviously had Ward Prowse and um, a couple of others. I think they had that the guy that was playing against Goldborn. I've forgotten his name now, but uh, Valerie wasn't it? yeah. And I think they had one more at the back, uh, Benderick, who was, was obviously a bit more um, well known. But not that many names yeah. I'd heard of, to be honest with Ollie. So it did kind of perk me up a little bit. Yeah, there was a it was a bit of a mix, wasn't it? Um, there was a couple of good players, obviously, in the team. Um, experienced pros, Ward Foster. Prowse, obviously, yeah. kind of stands out. Yeah, Foster in goal. Um, and two central defenders were solid. Valerie at right back. Yeah, so they've got Vokins at left back. He's, he's a good player. And obviously the bench as well had Che Adams and Armstrong. So yeah, it was a mix and match team. A couple of decent mm. players in there. But yeah, maybe a few, um, obviously a few kids as well. So this, the bench was clearly set up. If there was anything was going wrong, the cavalry would come in. But for me, I wasn't really so much focused on Southampton. Um I'm sure you probably felt the same, Glenn. We didn't know how our players were going to perform. No. Um, obviously, didn't really have that much training time. Yep. Um, I imagine there was a bit, a bit of a weird atmosphere at the ground as well, in terms of obviously what's been going on. Not just the manager, but just the players as well coming back. Um, and obviously, we'd been off. I'm sure the players were doing some running and stuff, but it's not the same no. um, as playing games. Um, who knows? It might even help us a little bit fitness-wise in, in, over the next few months, maybe having a break. Um, yeah. But we need to kind of... I think it's going to be interesting to see how we perform on Saturday. If we get through Saturday and we look fit, then, yeah, it's it's fine. But I'm still a little bit concerned about the fitness of the squad, whether we've dropped down a bit. We, we'll only find out as time progresses. And the whole thing will have been yeah. a bit of a weird experience. Yeah, empty St Mary's when you would have been expecting it to be full for a big cup game. Well, probably wouldn't have been full for a cup game against us, but it would have been a much better experience with 2,000, 3,000 town fans there probably and a Tuesday night game in a bloody soaking wet rain. And a lot, a lot of things that meant that it probably wasn't the occasion that the Shrewsbury Town players deserved for a good FA Cup run this season. But I, I think that, you know, my expectations were that they'd give it a go. And, and you know, we're on telly. 
you know there would have been a few more people with eyes on us as a team that were watching more than usually would be just give it a go put a good Shrewsbury Town performance in and, and I think over the 90 um, I, I was alright with the performance in general though we lost 2-0 I think we, we, we did a, a sort of did Shrewsbury Town as proud as we could be within the limitations we had really so um, yeah I suppose yeah. it was game, an honourable defeat wasn't it yeah it wasn't embarrassing at all and, and they, they, they struggled to break us down and we'll have a lot of credit for the defence as we go through but you know the start wasn't the quickest Ollie let's be honest about it it's, I expected that to be rusty but because of the lack of football and passing was off a little bit wasn't it and we definitely didn't play quite as well in those these opening sections um and and it was a it was a glimpse really to the rest of the game wasn't it in that defensively we were good midfield when they got on it a few times with some really good runs forward from a few of the players um but yeah, our attacking play was anemic at the start and it, it didn't really pick up for most of the game did it we started badly in both kind of both both boxes um in yeah. terms of our performance was quite sloppy um our defensive shape and our discipline and our organisation and our application improved defensively. Um, but yeah, going forward, we were a bit a bit sloppy, I think, is a kind way of putting yeah. it. Um, it didn't really work, did it, with Adoe and Worley and Chapman. Um, and yeah, I think obviously we lacked a bit of quality from the left. Um, but yeah, um, in terms of real chances, um, first came Southampton, didn't it? Yep. So yeah, Pennington made one of the, his few mistakes the night, to be fair. Rare, yeah. Um, he was a bit sloppy in possession, gave the ball away to Southampton, and there was a shot on goal and palmed over by Sarsic. So that was a bit of a warning, wasn't it? Um, yep. But then we did see a bit of a, a bit of bright spark and gave you some um, you know, reason to believe. A nice turn from Chapman, a shot on goal, eerie save for the goalkeeper, but it was positive that you know he was keen to have a, an effort at goal. Yeah, you know, from that slow, sloppy start, I think you're right. We we grew into it, and the first chance was was from some good play. I mean, to me, Chapman, this this first moment from Chapman maybe showed us what he's kind of all about, wasn't it? Quick feet, um, and straight at goal. You know, he he was a bit like Conor McElhaney when he signed for us uh, end of last season, wasn't it? With more attacking attitude maybe than some of the other midfielders we got at the football club. He, he definitely seemed to want to either run at players or run towards goal. Um, and yeah, he wasn't afraid to have a shot. He had a few poor shots as the game went on, but this first one was, was pretty decent. Um, and I, I, th- I thought overall he was, for a debut, he was quite impressive, wasn't he? Obviously, he didn't last the, the whole game. But you know, this first moment was really a good glimpse of maybe an exciting attacking number 10, Ollie. Something that we have both been crying out for for probably a while now. Yeah, he definitely looks like a, that kind of combative... Um, high energy number ten that you'd imagine Steve Cotter would want in his team. Yeah, and obviously it's going to take him a bit bit of time to kind of build up a relationship with with his colleagues, especially yes. if he hasn't. And obviously, if he'd been with us for a couple of weeks, um, you know, he would have a bit of better understanding. So, yeah, I don't think you're going to judge him too much on this performance. No, I, I, you know, you like to just make a judgment initially because you're a football fan and you, everything is on the on this glimpse of one shot or one goal. The whole <laughs> attitude of a fan can change. But yeah, I mean, just I was just talking about his overall performance. Really, I thought he was solid yeah. enough, and I liked the attitude he brought us um, compared to some of the other players that have played number ten this season when we weren't doing very well. But yeah, that, so that was good. Um, but yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't long to, before they scored. One, one of the issues I thought before in the lead up to the goal was, and to talk about sloppiness was was the passing was pretty poor from particularly Norburn, Goldborn, um, Williams gave a few away we at times. Long, yeah, we? It we were going long, weren't we? We were going long, it wasn't sticking at all. Yeah, and there was one time when, I think it was Norburn, tried to clear the ball and just gave it to them on the edge of the box and they almost scored. But um, the goal the goal had sort of been building, hadn't it? And, um, you know, we hadn't been awful at the back, but there were there were numerous errors in this goal that were not great to watch, Ollie. Um, go on. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those goals where you kind of watch it back and you realise there was more mistakes than you realised in real time. Um, yeah. Because yeah, it's yeah, it's just interesting watching back, as I always say. So yeah, we gave Board Price a bit of time in the central midfield, which is never a good thing. He plays a long ball forward, and then it hits the shoulder of Watts. Um, but before it got to that point, 
uh, Bob the Builder, unfortunately, was standing behind his centre-back. <sighs> so he allowed them to be onside. Um, so he's in completely the wrong position. Um, because if he'd been in the right place, the, the, the linesman would have just flagged and um, the, the attack would have stopped there. And it was not really cleared by Goldborn at all. He kind of just, like, I don't know, fluffed it a little bit. <laughs> a little um, bit. <laughs> yeah. And then it comes to um, Unlundu. And um, he, yeah, he took it round um, Goldborn. And, yeah, Goldborn kind of fell over. Um, and, yeah, it was really poor defending. So three errors for him, really. One positionally. Two, with, um, secondly, with the poor clearance. And thirdly, by getting done um, inside the box. And a decent finish um, from the lad. It was a good finish. It, it was so far away from Sarkic, he couldn't even really dive. He took no, the finish. it was a very tidy finish. Yeah, once he got to that, it was a really tidy finish. Sort of finishing I wish we had at this football club. But um, I don't think we'll be getting that quality anytime soon. Um, yeah, it was awful by Goldborn. And I know you say, oh, it's always interesting watching him back to see that he made three mistakes. But I, I was massively critical of him straight away. You could you could tell he bollocked, yeah. bollocked You could it tell up. that the, the obvious <laughs> one was obviously that he got done. Yes. Um, but well, I, it was really hard to notice that he was offside. You probably would have noticed no. real, if you were at the ground. Round. Yes, um, but watching on TV, it's hard to spot that. Well, it's the fluffy, woofy clearance that he knocked yeah. out just the edge of the box when he should have just leathered it clear was the worst thing. But yeah, I mean, and you know, one nil down, it was it was unfortunate. You know, we were trying our best and we were being robust as we could at the back. But in all honesty, you know, it wasn't really a shock that Goldborn was the one at fault for the goal because even in the whatever it was, kind of sixteen minutes, he'd been ripped to pieces by Valerie at least two or three times in that opening spell, hadn't he? And it got worse after the goal. He had a really, really poor first half, and um, you know, eventually he was one of the ones that got subbed off. For wasn't he but he couldn't really have any complaints about that because he'd been pretty poor in the game um and yeah just just not at the level and it, you know we talk we'll talk about Daniels and Pew leaving later on but it does leave us massively short at left back and it's frustrating because Goldborn was one of our standout players at the start of the season wasn't he Ollie before um we brought Daniels in he, he was kind of one of the players we were saying was doing really well in those first five to six games but didn't look anywhere near it last night playing against a quality player maybe that's a bit of justification but he needs to step it up from that performance yeah you're right there I think it's and I think one of the things worth just kind of highlighting is that yes we are going to be rusty but I think one of the things that's going to you have to point out is that you know to play in the Premier League or to you know to, to get in a Sunderland squad I'm getting ahead of myself <laughs> to get in the Southampton squad um you need to be you know they have better athletes than us yeah you know so in terms of pace and um, athleticism they are going to be better than us which is not really ideal when you can potentially be a bit rusty um, so I think it kind of accentuated the difference between the two squads. Yeah, but I thought after the goal, you know, goalborn aside and a bit of loose passing here and there, we we definitely grew into the second uh, to the first half. Ollie. I thought our best period was into into the half time period, and we created a couple of good chances. But it all came from just being a bit more front footed and knocking off off the the long balls a little bit and just trying to play a bit of football. Obviously, when they went one 0 up, naturally Southampton did sit back a little bit and give us a bit more time and space, and we we used that space well. I thought. But for me, the the most the biggest highlight for me from a Shrews perspective is that Aaron Wilbur made a tactical change mm. which gives me confidence that him and Dave are willing to do that yep. you know, they're not just going to stick to the blueprint maybe this was the blueprint from the manager who knows um, but they've made a change and we went 5-4-1 so um, basically we had basically a bank of four in front of our um, in front of the defenders yep. which really really helped and yeah, what that meant is obviously that their fullbacks didn't have a load of time and space mm-hmm. um, which kind of, we kind of trapped that area out so an area that they were really benefiting from we kind of cut it out which I thought was good to see um, yep. and especially as um, you know we've commented that Cottrell is such a good tactician um, it was really pleasing for me to see that um, yeah the staff continued that trend 
It's nice to see us change tactics midway through a game. We've just gone through a spell <laughs> yes, with rickets where it didn't happen for like 15 games in a row. So, yeah, nice to see we can adapt to situations. It's a cup game, so why not? Do you know what I mean? At the end of the day. So, it's good. Yeah. I, I had no complaints about it. It was a defensive all. change in a sense, but yeah. um, there's no point, you know, yeah, there's no point losing 4 or 5 nil or something. Um, and no. just for sake of trying to win the game, you need to try and stay in it and then try and get a goal. But it was one of those defensive changes that gave us more possession and allowed us to build yeah. a little bit more. And obviously, there was a couple of chances on there. There was one where Vela played a really nice ball to Wally and he kind of dropped his shoulder and forced Foster into a save. He had another one which he put over the bar after that. And I think that the tactical change also brought Vela into the game a bit more. And I thought in that last 15, 20 minutes spell, he was actually outstanding, I thought, his performance in the game um, during that spell particularly and made a couple of really good runs forward. And, and sort of there were times when Vela and Chapman were trying to get up with Verdot and it looked like, you know, I kept thinking that during the game at times, if we was a League One game, we'd be doing well here. You know, I, you could see us creating a few more chances. But to be fair to Southampton, their two centre backs, Stevens and, and Benderek, were good players, and um, they didn't give a, a Doe or, or Wally all that much space or time to do anything really. And and they were good at closing balls down and loose balls. They were on really quickly, and I thought they they had a good game. Their two centre backs, um, what they had to do wasn't a lot, but they did it really well. Yeah, they're a good outfit, very well organised yeah. team. Um, Southampton, very very impressive um, team, and that's why they're doing so well in the Premier League. Uh, yep. So well organised. Half time, yeah. I guess we thought we expected to see the same second half. Did you? No, I wasn't. I was glad a fifteen minute break from Glenn Oddle for a start because he was driving me mad. <laughs> and I, you know, the commentator. I'd never heard of him before. Um, to be fair, I watched quite a lot of BT Sport, and you probably don't realise who's commentating until you think, oh, it's my team. Who, who's this guy talking about Shrewsbury? He wasn't too bad, but clearly they hadn't got the memo about Daniels and Pew leaving because he kept making out no. like we dropped them from the squad rather than the fact they just left the club. So yeah, I, I, I can understand how that happened because we only announced it like five minutes before kickoff. But um, yeah, it was very like, odd timing of that. Nice to have a break from Glenn and his, his musings because he's dull as hell. But um, yeah, what, what did I expect? You know, one nil down. We were still in the game. You couldn't really argue much with that. You know, a, a, a random occurrence here, a, a missed deflection, or a bit of goalkeeping error, and we're back in the game. So I was expecting us to push on and have, keep having a go when we could, as well as keeping it tight at the back. And that's kind of how the game went, really, isn't it? Yeah, it, it was. Um, yeah, we didn't really create too much, did we? In the second nope. half, um, we had a couple of like, half opportunities, but you know, the game kind of there's a, a lot of moments in this game where not, not a lot happened, <laughs> where they had the ball. They tried to break us down, um, and they couldn't. They couldn't do it. Um, yeah, Shane Long had a chance, didn't he, from a corner, but a yep. good save from Sarsic. And then there was a, another long pass from um, Ward Prowse, um, and then basically a shot from Watts, and that was saved by Sarsic. And then it was cleared off the line by Pierre, oh, who great. really came alive in the second half. Um, a great clearance. Yeah, I hope no no championship scouts are watching this game because he had another bloody excellent game, Pierre, against you know legitimately good players with skill and ability above the usual players he comes across in League One. He was outstanding, but again, you know, you could say the same thing about Pennington and and Ebanks. He stood out above those two, but they both had really good games at the back as well. I thought so. Again, defensively, really solid with those with those middle three. But yeah, the way he cleared the front the line. Yeah, yeah, Everyone well, the whole gave game. A good shift, didn't true, they? true enough, yeah. It was a defensive performance that required a whole team. I would agree with that. Um, yeah. But yeah, the, the one way he cleared it off the line, he had to dance over Sarkic, try not to stamp yeah. him on, on him, and then scoop it off the line. And he, he blocked another one later on, didn't he? Which was going in, and it was sort of he was last man, and he was on the line. And uh, you know, you got to give him credit. His positional awareness when he's sort of last man is really good. Um, but yeah, I, in, in my observations for the second half, Shane Long, as the game went on, struck me more and more as the archetypal 
too big for this sort of thing. Premiership player who can't really be asked for the FA Cup because he was he was pretty god awful. I thought Shane Long, and um, it was it was sort of really interesting to compare his attitude. I thought to Ward Prowse, who was a young lad, England international, who potentially you know must have thought, why am I playing in this game? Who I thought was pretty good the whole game and really kept them ticking over. And I think the the thing that pointed out for me on Shane Long was that late break they had Ollie, where they almost got in, and he, all he needed to do was play the simplest pass to put them in, and he just delayed on it and dithered, and yeah, he, he wasn't very good. So that that would help to stay. It's to help to stay uh, at 1-0 for quite a while, didn't it? But yeah, what was the best chance we had that half, Ollie? I don't know. It was probably... I don't know. Did we have, we had any really, really good chances second half? I can't think of anything at the moment. <laughs> Not really. No. no. We didn't really have anything. Um, we kind of... When the fresh legs came on... Yes, we picked um, up. We had um, a really good chance. Just before that, that the, the Chairman's chance you were talking about, amazing block from um, from Tracy. It was, yeah. Back to put a block in. That was superb. Um, but yeah, for me, we looked better, I think, when we made the few subs. So um, on 63 minutes, Tracy came on for Chapman, yep. um, which I think was just a guess. I think all these subs really were about legs, weren't Fitness, they? Fitness, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, a few minutes later, um, Sears came on for Goldborn, and then Edwards came on for Norburn. Um, and then, yeah, um, and then on 73 minutes, um, a doe went off. Um, so they were the kind of the, the subs in the 70 kind of minutes kind of period. And then Cummings came on after... Um, 85, 83 minutes or something yep. like that. He's um, and, um, got a good five minutes in him, Ollie. <laughs> he didn't touch a ball. Well, yeah, I did tweet about it and his dad don't think was too impressed with me. Um, <laughs> his dad wants to tell him yeah. to fucking sort his shit out because his attitude at the moment is just bad, in it? And like, he's clearly still not fit. Oh, it's embarrassing to be at this football club for this long and be not fit enough to sort of play 90 minutes. He must have not played 90 minutes for such a long period of time now. But well, I think I, I us saying he's not fit is maybe a polite way of putting it because we don't really know. <laughs> But, you know, at the end of the time, Rick was saying he wasn't fit or well or he was, wasn't was ready or something. Um, yeah. And, yeah, he's, you know, everyone goes on about, oh, potential, you know, normal neutrals going, oh, yeah, you got Cummings and all this kind of stuff. But there's a trend with Cummings. He did really well for Hibs, but then he went to Forest. He went to Luton. He went to Rangers and then to, I don't know, wherever Hibs. he went. Yeah. And, he, and now he's at Shrewsbury. So these kind of levels keeps going down. And um, let's you know, let's be a bit crude. Um, he's playing behind a right winger and a non-league striker. Yeah, and Pike so, now. <laughs> yeah, and Pike, and that was my joke. I said, yeah, obviously Pike is obviously fitter than him and is above him in the pecking order. Coming on now, obviously Pike's a different striker, so bringing a target man kind of made sense as well. So it was a bit of tongue in cheek, but you know, it's up to him to make you know to get himself in the side. You know, Sam Ricketts didn't play him, and now Steve Cottrell, who plays two strikers, has decided not yeah. to pick him. Yeah. So I, there's obviously something he's not doing in training, which isn't impressive. And when he played in the trophy game, he was he was shit. Yeah. And then when he came on in the um, in the FA Cup, he was abysmal. He could have set up a dough, but he decided to have a shot, and I think he missed a ball and fell over or something. It was quite an embarrassing performance. Well, in the in the training videos you see, he's always dicking around in training, isn't he? Like it never looks like he's actually taking anything seriously. And which, who, which who knows? Could be, but... yeah, could be a bit of a red herring. Could be. Um, but the fact remains, he's played. He's been here like what a year and a half, and he's played thirty five games and scored four goals. Yeah, awful. So, like, I, yeah, I've had enough. Like, yeah, you never write a player off because he could go somewhere else and score load of load of goals. Yeah, but we ain't seen much from him, and maybe no. it'd be good for everyone if he found somewhere else to play. I agree. I mean, you know, Steve Cottrell is a good manager and could he turn Cummings around? Maybe. Is it worth persisting with? Maybe. I mean, anyone listening to this podcast regularly will know that I was huge about Cummings, wasn't I? I was massively on his side. I was always saying he should start every week and trumping him as, the, as what was going to be the difference and 
even I've lost faith in him now. He just is just not the player I thought it was. Um, and to be honest with you, we'll talk about recruitment and stuff as we go on later on. But you know, up front is a, is an error. I think that Cottrell can do some yeah. absolute magic. So um, if it requires you know spurning Cummings and another couple of players to to bring in something exciting, I'm all for that. To be honest with you, but yeah. who take him? It doesn't look like his trajectory is well, up. That's you the know, problem, isn't two. it? That's the yeah. problem with. And I saw championship clubs talking about, I mean, yeah, they're struggling to get rid of players. It's a, it's a theme that's, that's going on in football at the moment. So, yeah, let's finish be, this game off. We might be stuck with him. Yeah, so <laughs> um, free kick from Ward-Prowse. A uh, bit of a sloppy um, free kick to give away from a Shrewsbury point of view. Big day. Can't really criticise Sargent too much. It was a good free kick. Um, and, yeah, that kind of game over, wasn't it, a 2-0? Yeah, it was game over, and you know, I, I almost felt like turning the telly off because I just thought, oh, we've lost this, and I'm tired. And I'm, I've had a, such a hard week at work already. I was like, I'm ready for bed already, to be honest. But I watched the end and uh, just saw us over the line. And yeah, I, I say, I'm pride from the game. I, I felt like it was one of our better performances against what is, you know, let's be honest, the top six, top seven Premiership team who, who were weak enough but still played enough strong players to get by. You know, I, I wasn't as upset as some of the other FA Cup losses. I, I, I came away fuming from um, Liverpool, obviously last year for various reasons. But I also remember leaving even against um, Man United. I think, we, did we play in the FA Cup or the League Cup? I can't remember, at home. And it was touted this big occasion and we sold out, didn't we? And it was just one of those ones where we just literally didn't, didn't turn up and gave a team too much respect. I didn't think we gave them too much respect last night. I thought we, we went into our challenges. We sat up with a defensive shape, but we had a plan. Um, and it wasn't, you know, an embarrassing, let's get our asses smashed here and, and go home with our TV money. I thought we did enough for me to, to be reasonably proud about a 2 0 loss, which doesn't happen very often. Yeah, we did all right, didn't we? we yep. For me, it was a solid performance. Um, it's interesting. Um, getting a comment from the Totally um, Total Saints podcast, he thought that we did really well. Um, he said that they never felt comfortable. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't feel comfortable at all watching the game, um, which I think yeah, it's got to be a positive for us. Um, and the, the only other thing we need to mention, Ollie, as, as I can tell, before we get to our, to our top um, top threes, is what I didn't know until it was announced this morning. But it was Dave Andrews, Dave Edwards' six hundredth game um, competitive game in his career, which is a massive milestone for any footballer to get to, I think. And considering he's played from the Conference all the way up to the Premiership and an absolute mad career with Wales as well, what what an achievement for him and, and what a career! And you know, he might be coming to the end of his time at Shrewsbury. We're not seeing the best of him in, in his little spells at times, but you know, a career to look back on with some pride, Ollie. Yeah, 600 games is, is a phenomenal number. Mad. Um, yeah, absolutely phenomenal number when you're considering a, as a player that, you know, there's a rumour that we might be signing, he's 24 and played 40 games. <laughs> Dave Edwards has played 600. It's um, yeah, it's quite a, a phenomenal number and, yeah, shows shows what a good pro he's been. And, um, yeah, he, he's doing a job for us at the moment. He's yep. obviously not what we kind of would hope or would like to see. You know, like wanting to see him scoring goals, but... Um, he certainly does a shift for us. Um, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's our local legend, isn't he? And I, I hope he still, you know, he did a job last night when he came on. Couldn't, com- yeah, couldn't exactly. complain. I mean, he gave the free kick away for the goal, which wasn't great. But other than that, he he stood fast and, and tried to get us going forward as he could. But I, I still find my most amusing thing about COVID and the whole thing is that obviously knowing that Dave has missed a lot of football for injuries and stuff is that he he was one of the ones that was on TV saying he hadn't got it. So fair play to Dave. Yeah, good milestone. Congratulations to him. Um, he hasn't added on the away supporters. Uh, uh, appearances he made for us back in the day but you know he might be at 607 then I think but um, yeah a, a nice kind of cap to that game really um, in terms of, of acknowledging a good moment really so yeah that was it really a top three Zolly just as we wrap this game up 
Yeah, you go ahead first, mate, because I'm going to question you. I don't really oh, understand okay. one of your choices. Uh, I just went for Pierre first. I thought he was fantastic across the whole game. Championship performance, if anyone was looking. I think they might be tempted to make a bid if they've got any money. Um, just great against two quality players. Yeah, I think you're going to disagree with me picking Chapman second, but it just I'm just starved for attacking exciting players, and I thought he was decent. Like He wasn't great, but I thought for a debut, in terms of a position that we really struggled to recruit in, I thought he was really good, and he's got nice hair. So what are you going to complain about for, Ollie? And and. Feller third could easily have been second as well. I would agree with that. But um, yeah, he, he was really good, particularly in that spell where we got the fresh legs on, and also in that spell where um, we were coming up towards the the end of the first half. He was he was really good. I did make a bold prediction, Ollie, about Feller. I said my my prediction for this season is that he's our standout player going forward. I've got suspicions that he's going to have a big end to the season. Yeah, Vela was really good. Um, he was my number two choice. I went for Pierre because he just had such a stellar performance. Yep. But Vela was fantastic. Um, yeah, he looked like. He, you know, the the breakers has you know, not impacted him at all. Took a few other players to kind of get up to speed. Yeah, but I thought Vela was fantastic with his speed of movements and yeah, his right passing. Um, his awareness um, was Footwork. really really good. Um, and I went for Sarsic third because he made a number of a number of good saves. Um, yeah, I guess I guess maybe it's just like negative Ollie or you know like a bit <laughs> like a bit like the for me it's a bit of a trend with a Miller kind of discussion. Um, yeah, Chapman looked all right, but. I want to see a bit of end product. You know, he's. I don't think his passing was all that. Um, you know, his, his shots on target weren't. You know, weren't threatening the goalkeeper that mm. much. Um, so yeah. there's a, I can see why you would be encouraged. Um, but you know, he didn't. He didn't blow me away. Um, no. I'm not saying he's. You know, he looks like a decent signing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, he needs to do a lot more for me to get to get to get properly excited. Yeah, I think when I'm picking top threes and someone makes a debut, I'm always inclined to give them a bit more leeway. Like I would have been close to putting Pennington in my top three again because I just think the the pressure of a debut sometimes can to, can bring a lot to the game that is hard to manage. I suppose it's not the worst when you're playing Southampton in the cup away at an empty stadium, but sometimes debuts can be tricky occasions, especially as you get into know new players and you don't know the runs they'll make, and so therefore it affects your passing a little bit. But fair comment, Ollie. I'd like to see more from him as well, and I'm hoping we do. I I, I think I saw glimpses that we can be positive about something. So there we go. Wrap this game up, Ollie. Then, so our new assistant manager, uh, sorry, uh, sorry, caretaker manager, um, Aaron Wilbraham. Um, are we going to talk about his hair, Ollie? Well, it's really <laughs> funny you mention this. I, when he first signed, I screen printed <laughs> the photo and nearly sent it to a private group chat that we have, and yeah. I didn't do it because I thought, ah, uh, I can't be bothered, and it's yeah, I'm going <laughs> to move on. But yeah, he's definitely had something done either. Yeah, there's there's definitely something there going on. He he goes to the only hairdresser I know that would require a sharpie to do it. To be honest well, with you, well, so the well, notice I noticed because <laughs> there's basically there's a clear line and there's two different colour tones. Yeah, it's very odd, very odd. Apparently, there's um under the Kosh podcast had him on and he talks about the haircut and well what he has to do to his hair there's a certain technique I don't know I've got loads of hair I've never had a problem with having to, to paint my hair on or whatever it is but apparently yeah listen to the Under the Kosh podcast with Aaron Wilbraham and he, he covers his hair and what's been going on with it and all that sort of yeah, thing yeah Twitter and was going mad at the yeah, start of the game h- yeah. hilarious um, yeah, yeah at least it didn't run in the rain so there's a positive it must be a decent well he put a hat on didn't he so <laughs> Maybe there we go. Anyway, but we we take the mick. To be fair to yeah. the bloke, thrust into a very difficult situation. Only just starting his coaching career, really. You know, he's playing in the FA Cup this time last year, wasn't he? And scoring um, that Rathbone set him up, didn't he, for Rochdale? Um, yeah. Yeah. I thought he came across brilliantly. Is it pre-match interview? Um, started a little bit he- uh, sort of rabbit headlights, and then he sort of grew into it. And I thought the answers he gave were great. By the way, 
we haven't talked about Jeff Brazier being a um, a interviewer on bloody BT Sport. He's awful, to be honest with you. I don't know how he's anywhere near that gig. But yeah, and then in the post-match, I thought he was really good as well, Ollie. So yeah, what did he say? Yeah, he said, I'm really proud of the boys. Um, you know, To be off for 14 days and come back and have three days training for a game against a Premier League's opposition, opposition I thought they were unbelievable. And we have to change a bit because of people's legs. Um, and yeah, if you have James, if you give James Walsh Paris a free kick, yeah, you know he's he's going to show you what he can do. Um, and yeah, we were always in the game and we put them under pressure, which links back to what Southampton fans were saying. And also, um, obviously, it was on it was on Five Live as well. And um, Murray, um, you know, Brighton striker was very complimentary about us as well. Um, so yeah, we definitely definitely held ourselves okay. in, in high esteem. I thought, and we've got some, um, you know, we've won a few fans for the way we performed. Yeah, I think we won a few fans in football from the way we treated the whole situation and put in football above our own needs as a football club and, and the money we would have got from the TV game. As it turns out, we got it back on BT Sport too and we got the money and that, that'll be really important to us going forward into the next few months with, with, with funds just low again. So, um, yeah, a, a really good performance. Uh, sorry, a prideful performance, I suppose. Um, maybe we need to do a bit more going forward, but we will see how that goes yeah. as we go into the into league going forward. So we'll leave the match there and we'll, we'll go back into Salop News now and all the transfer changes. The situation is clear. That's an excellent ball in. It's Holt Heller. Shrewsbury Town have the lead. It's his 28th goal of the season. So, Salop News, got a lot to talk about here, Ollie. Uh, signings in, who's been leaving, uh, some other bits you've got off Brian when you're asking him some questions on your uh, on your WhatsApp group with him, I reckon. But, um, yeah, one thing that I did want to mention, and anyone that was just listening to that game will have heard you describe um, a player at left-back called Bob the Builder. And... I know that you're you're wanting to have a chat about this, and we didn't include it in the COVID news because we were trying to be positive there. But you're a bit, you're well, you're not the only one. Let's be honest about it. There are a lot of town fans, particularly miffed with Scott Goldboard at the moment, aren't they? AKA Bob the Builder. Why is that, Ollie? Yeah, there's kind of like there's three levels of stupidity when it comes to Scott Goldborn. <laughs> um, first of all, he's employed by Shrewsbury Town Football Club. He's you know his his first priority should be to the club because we pay him a salary. So, yeah, so it seems that Scott Goldborn has got a second career um, in the building trade, yep. which is fair enough, but mm-hmm. in no way should it, for me, impact or put anyone, or put anyone at risk um, among the football squad. So, at the moment. Yeah, so if he's going to go to a building site, for me, it's a bit daft to do it in the first place. But if you are going to do it and do go and meet other people, one, don't go in a, crowd, in a small room with 20 people, which was the first photo <laughs> he showed, with no um, no social distancing and no masks, and yeah. people were saying, "Oh, it's his right. He's a build. He's a builder, so he's got a right to go." No, no, he hasn't. Right. And if you know, if you work in in a factory or you work in at the moment, you should be social distancing, and your employer should be giving you PPE to protect yourself. <clears throat> so yep. this whole thing about being a builder is absolute bullshit, and I don't really know what people are talking about. But yeah, his first priority <laughs> should be for the football club not go into a building site and have a photo taken with 20 blokes. And then some people were saying, oh, maybe the photo's from last year. Could you find a photo from last year, Glenn, on your phone for Christmas? And would you post it on social media? What? Bloody exactly. Why would you put it up when you're talking about a good end to the year? And it, it, you know, the context of that photo, everything that was posted of it, makes me one million percent believe it was taken just before Christmas. And and it isn't a photo of people building on a building site. It's a photo of about thirty blokes all eating from the same sort of food area. All all got plates and stuff. No masks, nothing. I totally agree with you. It's a disgraceful photo, really, to put up at this point in time. When you know people might think, oh, you're making a big deal out of this, but in reality. We've always, football fans, 
you know, suffered with losing our main enjoyment, our main hobby, especially those of us that this football club is their, you know, their main number one in hobby. But not just that, it's the fact that we've sacrificed so much other stuff by staying away from going to do entertaining things, working through these lockdowns, you know, following all the rules. And, you know, I'd, I'd like to think most people listening to this podcast have been following the rules and, and doing things the right way because a bloody 2,000 people died again today. It's not like it's gone away. And no. so, yeah, for him not to have the sense and brain capacity to take that photo down when people point out to him worries me even more. And, either he, he knows that he didn't do anything wrong and it is a photo from a few years ago which I don't believe or he's a total moron and he's just so ballsy he doesn't want to admit he made a mistake um, football club I don't know what they haven't really said anything about it have they I don't think from what I well, can they remember did, but, you um, did mention oh they did there yes was quote, yeah. there was a quote from um, Lewis did a story so yeah so first of all you've got him going to a building site when he shouldn't be and why should I when people say well he's you know he's a builder he's Bob the builder he can go to his building site if he wants no he's a professional footballer and you know, if I'm going going somewhere and coming back, I'm not going to a football ground, a training ground with 20, 25 other people. Yeah. So he's putting the Shrewsbury Town squad at risk. We played Southampton last night. If he gets COVID and passes it to our squad or packs it on Southampton, that's another 25, 30 people. Then on Saturday, mm-hmm. we're playing Sunderland. So that's another 25 people. Glenn, are you going to be in close contact with like 50, 75 people in the space of a week? No, you're not, because no. you're staying at home and you're working with <laughs> kids. So for me, that just puts on to another level. And then to make things even worse for me, so this is the third level of stupidity, Shrewsbury Town have the biggest outbreak of COVID in the Football League. Yep. Football has been a target for the government, and he put it on social media. There are photos from the Spurs players over Christmas. So what a bloody moron to put it on social media. Like, mm. either he's... Is he like? Is he just that arrogant, or doesn't really care, or is he just that stupid that I'm surprised? I'm really surprised that the Daily Mail or you know a tabloid newspaper hasn't picked up that photo and just plastered yep. it all over the internet. And that to me was the the reason, the third reason. So one, he shouldn't be going there. Secondly, he should be wearing PPE and distancing himself. And thirdly, he shouldn't be posting it on social media. Not only that, he did it again because he posted a story, didn't he? Going to a, a building site. Yep. Um, was yeah. it like the Thursday or the Friday before we were coming back to train? Yeah, it's frustrating to be honest with you. I think of all those ones, I'm, I'm more I'm more forgiving on the first one, which is you know if he has interests outside of football, fine as long as you take the right precautions. I think you could get away with that. You know, Marvin Morgan's a good example, isn't it? I mean, there wasn't a COVID outbreak there, but he had a business that was taking a lot of his time up, I would imagine. But it never really affected his football, and, and he kind of used it in his football, didn't he, with advertising? Yeah, he wasn't putting anyone at risk, free. was he? Yeah, and and it kind of benefited the football club, didn't it? But I, I can't I can't complain about Dave Edwards's investments in in a local soft play area in Shrewsbury or his financial investments he's got. There are a lot of players, um, and you know, you might not know, but there are a fair few players in our squad that have outside investments in in different companies, and um, and you know, it's about how that balances. But I haven't seen Dave Edwards taking a photo with four hundred kids in his soft play area in Shrewsbury with no ma- with all mixing and no no masks on. Do you know what I mean? He's he he hasn't done something like that, and I agree with you. It is it is a foolish in the extreme, and I think it's really pushed people's buttons um, because there was a bit of an outrage about it, wasn't there? Let's be honest, it wasn't just you annoyed about it because people are trying so hard to stop this from happening and get back to a sense of normality um but things like this just you know if if he was the one that brought it back into the squad and, and god forbid it wasn't and he's the one that caused his manager to go into intensive care that would be horrendous it probably isn't let's be honest about it but there's you know it's not helping the situation it could no. have been do you know what i mean and then the then to the kind of the icing on the cake was um bt sport was showing the the players um, coming into <laughs> oh, yeah. the ground and so you saw the southampton players all wearing masks then you saw the shooter players all Mary mask. Oh, apart from Bob the Builder at the back there, who um, <laughs> didn't have a head, who was wearing a snood but didn't have it over his face. Uh, 
Oh, Maybe he's a COVID denier, Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> he might be. You never know. He might. He might be in one of those. I was in Shrewsbury a few weeks back, actually, and um, just before the next lockdown happened. So it was before Christmas, I think. Um, and there was like this COVID protest in Shrewsbury, and I had my mask on, and my wife was there with mask on, and we were just in the square, um, at a Greg's, just sitting, just eating it while we were looking around, and we heard this noise coming up the the the, the high street, and there must have been about thirty, forty people um, having an anti-mask lockdown, anti-lockdown protest in Shrewsbury. I thought this is a bit weird. And do you know who was at the front of this protest a man riding a unicycle uh t- tooting a trumpet i thought well to be honest with you if i'm, I'm who am i going to believe the scientists or a man on a unicycle with a trumpet so i i politely declined their leaflets and walked away ollie so who knows there's some absolute flipping morons around at the moment isn't yeah. there but uh I, you know, who knows scott Goldborn might be one of them but there we go we move off our scott yeah. Goldborn rant which was completely fair um on to transfer changes we obviously mentioned a few of these names now but you know we've been skirting around the issue we have just this week lost daniels and Pugh uh, as of two days ago i think it was or no, last night wasn't it Yesterday, um, and obviously my man Miller has gone back to Australia. He's, yeah. he's trying to get off, trying to get off Plague Island, back to Australia where there isn't so much COVID. And Zamborek uh, has gone back to Brentford. Are we going to have another argument about that, Ollie? Probably not. No, we'll leave that for now. But yeah, yeah he's, he's, he's gone. gone. Back. He's, he's, yeah, he's yep. gone. It's been, it might have been taken out of our hands because he hasn't played many games. Uh, who no. knows? And Scott High's gone back as well, hasn't he? I think. Yeah, Scott High went back before. Yeah, I had to try and figure oh, out where we kind of got to. So yeah, High had gone back yep. before, um, and um, yeah, Fossey had gone back before. Before like the 29th, or oh, we yeah, did last on the 30th. Um, yeah. And yeah, I was trying to figure it out. So yeah, so yeah, Miller's a loss. Well, Miller and Daniels is clearly a loss. Um, obviously, for me, Miller is um, not as effective going forward as as yep. as Daniels. But at the same time, he's still going to be a miss. Um, and yeah, for wing back now is it's a big issue. Um, and yeah, it's it's really weird, isn't it? Because most of the time, you know, when we're talking about kind of demands and what we need. Um, you know, it's not normally fullback positions and stuff that is a big priority. But for me, there's um, yeah, a glaring gap in the squad now with with right back, the uh, right right back and, and and left wing back. Oh, huge! Yeah, I mean, one thing to note is I suppose we're recording this on Wednesday night, and Shrewsbury Town did announce a tweet earlier on today that they had signed. Oh, I'm trying to find his name. Brendan now. Galloway. Brendan Galloway. We've signed Brendan Galloway. Apparently, we've signed him because they put a tweet out about it. But it turns out. As it stands now, we haven't. They deleted the tweet. So something very odd is going on there, Ollie. And I'm just cycling through Twitter now. And it hasn't been announced no, again yet. So very, very odd situation there. But obviously it does show that we're you know, presumably looking to recruit in that position you were just talking about. And I think he's a left back, isn't he? So um, he'd be perfect replacement by the sounds of it. So yeah, definitely agree with you. Right and left back, or right and left wing backs, you imagine the way we play, are going to be we must get a new player in both those positions. Yeah. I mean, you know, Sears could probably do a job for a while there if needs be. So could Williams. He's not attacking also. enough. It's, it's no. The wing back position is, and that's the things we. That was the trouble we had. Um, you know, last season when we had Love and Goldborn, when we, we you know, I, I lamented the lack of assists. Obviously, yeah. we saw um, Miller didn't. Did you know his passing and his and his assist in that last game was so much improved, which for me obviously was what obviously Cottrell was seeing in training and one of the reasons why I maybe wanted to keep him. Um, I guess talking about Miller now, let's tuck it into a bit of detail. Um, mm. His contract go, his contract ends in the summer or the end of the the A League season, which is a terrible league. And I watched some games; it's dire, <laughs> it's utterly dire. It's like it's really slow. Then you got like the odd player looks good, and then the rest are, like look really clumsy. It's a very odd league. God. Um, so yeah, obviously Shrewsbury Scott Steve Cottrell um, obviously decided that the deal that the manager, the former manager Sam Ricketts, had put in place was not good value for money. So he vetoed mm. that. 
Um, we tried to sign him, but we weren't prepared to pay whatever they wanted um, to sign a player whose contract ends in the summer. So I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised if he comes back, you know. You know Not me. Because, you know, obviously COVID and all that kind of stuff is, is a nightmare. In Australia, I think I was chatting to you guys, wasn't I? In the, I think basically on that day, they have less than 10 cases a day of yeah. COVID, and we've got like 50,000, 60,000 a day. So yeah. from a COVID point and- of view, not surprised he went back, but... Yeah, it's a and he's been lead. through everything we've just gone through as well with COVID. And maybe that does make you think, is it better to be safe and sound at home with yeah. family around you? And, you know, it, the, the pay difference might not be as in, in massive as it might we might have thought. And, you know, go and sit out your summer there and come back and, and maybe find us or another club in England next year when everything's cleared up. I definitely could see him come back to England. He looked good enough to play League yeah. 1, League 2 football for sure. Yeah, it's definitely good. You know, if, you, yeah. if we saw the trend, you know, his passing wasn't very good, his crossing wasn't very good. But in that last one game, that really he just shoot better. up. Uh, yep. And he's, he's very yep. athletic. Um, and even just from a defensive point of view, we'll miss him. So, yeah, that is a big yeah. need. Yeah, and yeah, so, and I think Wilmer Daniels, we just said, Pew, I'm not too fussed about. Um, but yeah, we'll, no. we'll see where they end up. I mean, Daniels Pompey looks like a good move for him if yeah. that's what's going to happen. Um, and it's certainly a move up for him, so you couldn't really complain. Um, but yeah, we have bought three players in, haven't we? We obviously talked about Chapman a bit during the game, and he's probably the one we don't need to cover so much. But yeah, you want to see a bit more from him. I'm, I'm quite excited to see what he can bring. But um, yeah, a player with, with a bit of genuine attacking quality, so we can move on, really. We didn't really talk about Pennington quite as much, Ollie. Um, no. Obviously, right foot is centre back started on his first game that he could we obviously moved Williams out to, to sort of make way for him in some respects although Williams needed to play right wing back didn't he but um, yeah I don't know you spoke to the Royal Blue Mersey pod didn't yep. you about um, Pennington and got a bit of a bit of an update really yeah it's one of the fun things about doing the pod for such a long time now is I didn't even ask for this information he was just chatting to me it was quite <laughs> fun because yeah we've got, we got loads of contacts now it's really good Yeah. Um, so yeah so basically he said that um, he's out of contract at the end of the season so um, and he said he's probably suffered. He's been a victim of the constant changes at Everton. And he said that mm. Ronald Koeman really liked him and gave him a chance, um, and he actually equalised for, for, for Everton at Anfield. Um, yeah. and then, then they then they changed manager, um, and Koeman was sacked, and he went to Leeds. And then he went to Ipswich and Hull, and they couldn't really sell him. Um, he said he, he said he, he's done okay at times, but it lacked a bit of pace. Is probably why he is not maybe not good enough for the Premier League because um, you need to be so fast don't you, to play in the Premier League. Um, and he yep. said he definitely thinks um, that he's a, a League One championship level player. So, yeah, it, would, it could be a good signing. And, um, yeah, I think, you know, it would be, he said as well, you know, um, it shows you that people just know quite a lot about football these days. He said having Williams and Pierre next to him will help him out. So that's what, that's what the guy was saying. Um, so he said having quicker him. players like Williams and Pierre around him yeah that's yeah. interesting so you know obviously noted the pace they've got but yeah sort of player that I hoped as well and that we could convince to sign on with a sort of maybe two year deal at the end of it with a chance to move on if, if the right deal came with him and, you know sort of player there'd be a bit of value in isn't there Ollie and yeah. he's definitely got some pedigree and you know a name I'd recognised probably from watching that Liverpool Everton game all those years ago and just, he was at Ipswich yeah. with Hurst as well so yeah he, oh yeah that's true yeah so definitely a player of quality you know we can't really argue that we were asking for another centre back weren't we yeah. Um, definitely a player that comes in and gives us more than we had and, and probably you know upgrades us from where we were with um, maybe Omar Beckles last season so yeah I'm really impressed which is fascinating because everyone's mm. saying Omar Beckles is like the signing of the season in League One and he was our fourth choice centre-back last year which just for me just goes to show how good Ebanks, um, Williams and Pierre are um, and our defence is brilliant isn't it I've, if, like, I always keep thinking about football manager all the time because I've played so much of it but in football manager they, gave, they give players like stars out of five yeah. And you definitely say that our central defenders are three, four star quality players. So I'd say, level. yeah, at this level, yeah. Um, so we got, yeah, you know, I so agree. Vela and Norburn in midfield, central defence is really solid. 
Um, but and goalkeepers solid four as well. I'd say four stars. Mm. Um, but unfortunately, it's it's strikers and wing backs are are just really poor. Um, we've got really good centre and field, really good central defence now. Um, but it's the rest of the team that kind of needs to be rebuilt. But we have yep. signed one extra midfielder, haven't we, Glenn? Yeah, a player that we've obviously were aware of, um, Dave Davis, um, who played for us on loan, I think back in 2010 under yep. under GT, and yep. um, yeah, a player I remember being decent during his spell. It was quite short. I think he played 19 games for yep. us during that spell, which is pretty impressive. And interestingly, you know, not to give too much away, but I helped the football club out with several things um, to do with stats and and sort of cataloging things because um, someone someone asked to, I suppose. Um, and I, I can go back and look at all of the archives from 2010 um, of everything that was recorded from player and manager interviews on, on sort of Shrewsbury Town's big Dropbox and so I went and had a look when we signed Davis just to remind myself kind of what people said about him and you know what it was so refreshing to go back and look at a Graham Turner interview that he did post-match on Davis's debut for the football club the first time around and GT couldn't have rated him more highly and, and the way GT talked about him and how his career's gone on and the way he's played at Birmingham and the sort of player he's become GT knew a player, Turner. He was really, he was really good at spotting a good player, wasn't he? And um, yeah, it's a really good interview. I'd quite like the football club to put it out actually because it's quite, it's quite uplifting. And uh, he also talks very positively about Jermaine Grandison afterwards, um, Ollie, because he only just signed as well at the time. So um, yeah, I'm really, really glad to see him come back. Um, it, it looks like he was still playing pretty much um, last season. He's obviously not been so, so regular this year due to things going on at Birmingham. But you know, a player that's going to offer a lot. And he's only 28, Ollie. He's got ages to go. Isn't he 29? I thought 29. Oh, sorry, yeah, he was 29. less than 30. Only that. Yeah, he's not. 30 um yeah for me he's a good player um i asked um another another football friend on twitter and um, blues breakdown which is an, uh, an analyst um, account and he said he was inevitable he's going to leave us um but a decent pickup for shrewsbury he's not championship level anymore uh, but he's got great energy and a lot of fight so he'll fit into that one of those number six roles where vela and norburn is playing at the moment and for yeah. me i think he potentially frees vela up to play the number 10 role yeah, um, so maybe he can be the workhorse next to, to Norburn. Um, and it, I think it's good just to have different kind of players in midfield. You know, mm. someone who's a, even more grittier um, than Norburn and that. I don't think I don't think that's um, a bad thing, especially in League One when it's... Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, he's he's definitely a combative player, yeah. uh, that's for sure. And he, he got sent off. Oh, I'm sure he got sent off for us in one of those games. I can't quite remember now. But yeah, I, I yeah, I think I can't remember what GT described him. I think he called him intelligent, highly intelligent or something like that. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see, see how he goes. But he's definitely going to bring a bit of bite into that midfield. Can you imagine one of those games where Norburn's in a ratty mood and Vela's in one of his kind of smash into people moods and Davis is in there as well? No one's going to want to play against that midfield. No. It's going to be horrible. That's <laughs> what I get the sense of. Yeah, Cottrell wants players that are... Uh, are tough to play against players that you know teams don't want to play against, but also players have got that technical ability for League One mm. level, uh, which yep. hopefully he'll bring. So yeah, he brings ah. in and he kind of yeah frees up maybe Vela to go forward because yeah if Vela the way he was running on Tuesday night, you kind of you wouldn't mind if he's playing a bit further forward. He's already played in a playoff game for Shrewsbury Town as well, Ollie. So he'll be able to bring us that experience when we get to the playoffs <laughs> as well. Um, and he's obviously a mate got... of, um, of, um, of Edwards as well, isn't he? From his and Goldborn from his time yeah. at Wolves. Yeah, sorry, I've just remembered the bad playoff games against Torquay United that season under GT. Where, where oh god, what a terrible time that was. Anyway, let's move on. Um, what else is the next on the agenda, Ollie? I've I've lost my, my track yes. here. Um, so yeah, basically, I, I noticed. Go on. Sorry, let's just cut this bit. Let's do it again. You you start. 
yeah, I've just found it now. Um, uh, yeah, I know I, I did put this in the squad and in the agenda. I didn't see you'd seen it, but actually, when I was looking at the size of our squad now with everybody that's gone back, we've actually only got a squad of 26 now, and, and of that 26, three of them the young players, so we've only got 23 pros in the books now. So that, that was just something I wanted to point out. There's quite a lot of wiggle room now for Cottrell at the moment. Yeah, there's still quite a few players that could leave, isn't there? Yeah. Um, yeah. So obviously, we've got a few players that are injured. So we've still got um, Walker, Brad Walker's injured. Goss is currently out at the moment. Um, I think that's it, isn't it, from the injury front? Yeah. Um, so the injury is obviously a lot better. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's not the squad isn't as big, and obviously we've got Donald Love as well, um, who obviously um, isn't isn't around the first team at the moment. Because if he was going to play, he would have played last night, wouldn't he? Instead of Williams, you'd think, or yeah. at least be on the bench. Um, so yeah, he's gone. So it's funny, isn't it? We we need we need wing backs, and we've had so many right backs. It's unbelievable in the squad. But now we definitely need a first-team player. So for me, I think we need three first-team players. I think we need a right wing-back, a left wing-back. And I think we need a quality striker. Because we've got yep. a lot of strikers. Cummings, Odoe, Worley, Clark and Pike. Which is a lot. But for me, I don't know. You just add. I think if we get two solid wing-backs and add a striker to this team, we're above average, above average yep. League One team. I agree. There's not that much work to, needs to be done. You know, you might you might fancy bringing in a few younger players to cover left and wing back in case you know, or particularly right wing back in case um, whoever he brings in as the new right wing back gets injured. You might want a bit of cover there, maybe a lone player. But I can't see too much more being done. Would he bring two strikers in? I'm not too sure. I could see it. I think that not much will happen in terms of players moving around. But we don't need numbers, do we? We need quality. No, we don't need numbers. I mean, we don't need numbers. But you know, I, I'd be surprised if Pike has got much of a future under Cottrell. I'd be surprised if Cummins has got much of a future. I think. Clark Mark's probably got this season and maybe another one left in him and, and Ado is raw and still needs a lot of a lot of seasoning and, and will that come I don't know. You know, there's an argument to say who who is really gonna step forward of the four that we've got to make that starting role themselves their own at this point in time. Maybe Ado is head of the, of the line at the moment, but I could have argued for Clark playing last night against Southampton to be honest with you. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens, but I, I definitely think those are the three moves. I don't I don't think I could disagree with any of that, Ollie. No, and yeah, it'd be good. It'd be just nice to have that that kind of yeah, that extra play. If we don't we'd probably have enough to survive. Um, yeah. and it's maybe about rebuilding next year and I, and I imagine that you know this is a long term project I don't imagine it's going to sign players for the sake of it I'm sure they'll be building and signing players for looking ahead for next year as well um, yeah. so yeah. yeah it's going to be interesting one to see what happens um, with the recruitment and everything that's, that's going on and for the new ones that have joined, they will get maybe a sniff of their first league game uh, this Saturday coming up, Ollie, um, as we play Sunderland, who are not doing very well at the moment, are they, in terms of their home form, Ollie? And, and they no. lost their last game as well. Yeah, they haven't won at home for three months. <laughs> God. Yeah. It sounds like our sort of form. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. So, um, yeah, they're, they're ninth in the in the form table. Um, they've drawn a three, won two, lost one. Um, Shrewsbury Tannister, we're still third, Glenn, because obviously we've had a few games yeah. cancelled, but obviously your, your form doesn't technically change um, since your last six where we, mm. we'd won four and drawn two which is just ridiculous considering where we were uh, when we sacked Ricketts um, and I guess yeah I guess the I think it's playing Sunderlands in some ways is actually quite a good game because I don't know they're, they're not very confident at home um, and obviously we're coming back from a bit of a layoff so it's going to be mm. an interesting game I think 
Yeah, I mean, no one's. It's at Sunderland, isn't it? I mean, no one yeah. would probably be expecting us to win at Sunderland at the start of the season. So, much like Southampton, it's another game to build back from the COVID situation and not a free hit. I'd expect us to be competitive and how we played in our last few away games where we've been bloody fantastic. You'd you'd hope we can go there and go. But you know, if we end up losing that game, it's not it's not going to derail the season. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's quite a nice time for us to have this game and, and you know a chance to do it for for Steve really because they never got it done against Southampton. So I will go for us to get a. I can't see us winning this time. It'll be a marginal game. They they don't score many and they don't let many in, and it's the same as us. Um, in the last six games, we've had six scored six. They and they can and conceded two, which is not very many, is it? And obviously, in their last six, they've scored nine uh, and only conceded three. So, it'll be a tight game. I'll go for a one-one draw. Yeah, that's. Um, I actually went on a Sunderland podcast earlier on today. Oh, there you go. And um, yeah, so I think it's gonna be one-one draw as well. Um, Take yeah, that. Yeah, it's um, um, the, the podcaster from Sunderland thought it was gonna be one-all as well. So yeah, yeah, not a surprise there. I think uh, a point would be all right, um, and then yeah, get Sunderland is a, obviously an interesting one, big club. They've got a crap first eleven, yes. so they're a big club. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, and it's a good time to go there when there's no fans. Let's be honest; yeah. it's one of those one of those stadiums where the fans can be the the twelfth man a little bit when they get behind their team. Um, so I'm I'm quite pleased that it'll be an empty stadium. I think that gives us a little bit more of a of a chance. Um, so yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Obviously, looking forward to giving the EFL another one of my ten pounds for I follow was something we've missed for a few weeks, isn't it, Ollie? But yeah. Um, yeah, it'll be it'll be back to the streams for everybody on Saturday. And um, yeah, it's good to be back. I suppose I'll wrap this podcast up. Really, it's been very kind of dark really about everything that's gone on with COVID but I suppose we don't really say this very often but we should just wish everyone the best you know I'm sure we've got fans that are struggling with COVID now and also fans who are just struggling in general with mental health issues and the lockdown and you know if this brings anyone a little bit of a distraction from 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 you know the issues they're going through and and some of the struggles um then yeah hopefully we brought you a, a bit of a bit of a, a bit of a distraction really and, and everyone just keep keep going on and we'll all get back there eventually Ollie because I'm, I'm starting to see more and more people struggle now in this third lockdown are you? Yeah, it's it's tough for everyone, isn't it? It's hard just being mm. you yeah, having not having very little to get excited about. Um, yeah, yeah, half terms coming up, and it's yeah. Often we look forward to half terms and doing stuff like I'm sure yeah. you do. Um, being married to a teacher, um, yeah, my my life is designed is designed designated by by teacher holidays, and um, yeah, I was looking forward to half term, but yeah, it's not to be. I'm probably stuck at home still. So yeah, hopefully everyone's okay. Um, yeah, yeah, pick up the phone to your family and friends and and reach out because you never know yeah you know you could be helping someone on that day true true it's funny a good good anecdote that's not an anecdote I, I was out for a walk on sunday with my family and we were walking around copthorne on the way back into town and you know bumped into um scooter who huge town fans will know he's been on the podcast john dorset and he was just out walking you know and i was like you know it was it was saturday afternoon actually sorry it was just before three o'clock and i was on my way to watch the scores come in and um you know, we were just sort of like, isn't it weird to just meet out on this random street in Shrewsbury when normally we would, would be having our chat on the terraces? And I think, you know, there's that kind of acknowledgement from both of us that we, we both really miss it. And I imagine every single town fan listens to this, even if they're exiles and they don't go very often, will miss that experience of the one or two games they get to for the season. So, yeah, it's about sticking sticking together, isn't it, at the moment, yeah. as, as a football club and as a fan base and as a as a society, I suppose. That's a bit deep, isn't it? There we go. Maybe I've done too much work this week, Ollie. But yeah, <laughs> keep, keep going. We'll be back pretty soon, rather than waiting three weeks. We'll be back on Sunday, won't yeah, we, Ollie, we will. to, to cover the Sunderland game. And yeah. hopefully, yeah, we'll be back with more good news, mate. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully a few new signings um, and hopefully some good news. Yeah,